Hello and welcome to Bittersweet Symphony, a podcast about the bitter, the sweet and the bittersweet of life for classical musicians during a global pandemic when the music suddenly stopped. I'm Cleona Ryan, a violinist, a freelancer and a member of the Irish Chamber Orchestra. And in this episode, I'm chatting to Elaine Clark, who is the co-leader of the National Symphony Orchestra of Ireland. The bitterness of separation from her mother in Scotland was an almost physical ache and pain that she felt and that she also had to learn to sit with and accept, trusting that it would pass. Her suite was a live stream of the Beethoven Opus 131 string quartet, a work which was so close to her heart. In that moment, on stage, at the National Concert Hall, she had that feeling of Yes, this is where I'm meant to be. Her bittersweet experience was also that of live streaming. She felt the joy of playing with her fellow musicians. But the nature of the experience and the lack of audience prevented true, meaningful connection and communication. This is Elaine Clark. Shall we start with um, January, February 2020? And what was life like? What did it feel like for you? Yeah, gosh, it's uh, funny to remember pre-everything. Like, what was life for us all before? And I think it was like, it was busy. I think I probably had a feeling, gosh, I wish I had just more time to do other stuff, you know. So that was probably the overriding feeling around those couple of months. Always feeling a little bit like, I just wish I had that bit more time. I mean, I suppose jumping ahead to when it all happened, it's like I actually felt like it was the I'd been given the greatest gift ever. And I know it was hard. It's been very hard. You know, people had were suffering and all that. For me, it was like, oh, my gosh, I can take a breath, you know. When had you last taken a breath? I would have taken breaths at times when I actually had was forced to. Three, four years ago, four years probably at this stage when I'd got tendonitis in my arms. Oh, yeah. But I think that was because I'd just been keeping going and keeping going. You know, when your mind just kind of goes, oh, well, that's fine, I can keep going. But eventually the body goes, hang on a minute, this is not sustainable. You know, just forcing me to take a bit of time. But then we forget very quickly. And soon enough, I was back on it. Yeah, because you'd have quite a lot of responsibility in the symphony orchestra. And you'd have a lot of solo commitments and chamber music commitments. and Yeah, I do take on other things that I really enjoy. I mean, I love it. Mm -hmm. Many of us find it hard to get a balance. That's kind of given me a bit of internal struggles over the year, years about if I do my own playing then what am I taking away from them yeah but then if I didn't go and play my music I would probably resent it you know it's probably a tricky one to try and be at peace with I don't know yeah yeah I think you're right finding the peace with it Mm. I don't think my family have ever sort of they've never resented me going to practice or you know I would tend to put the practice at the very last thing 
I've talked to other mothers and they, they would be the same, you know, they'd be practicing at like half nine, ten at night when everything's done. Wow. And that that's hard going over a sort of sustainable amount of time. But but my children are, are older now, they're sixteen and eighteen, so there's less of the needing to be there for them all the time. I was just gonna ask you, who is your family? So I'm married to Brendan, who's in the army, and then I've got Leah, who's eight actually she's nineteen today. Yeah. So Brendan being in the army has Every three or four years, he's had to do a, a tour of duty abroad. So he's been away for six months. At the moment, he's currently on tour in Syria. It's a very different kind of tour to what we do, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. So yeah, and those have been stressful times when I've been on my own. Because of course, I'm not from here. So I don't have family. And Brendan's parents are not alive anymore. So that's, I think that's cumulative over the years. Yeah. I, I do tend, if I think back, I've kind of had some kind of exhaustion hit a few months after he comes back. Yeah. Because I've just been kind of keeping going, keeping going, as you do when you're in the middle of something. And then after, and sometimes quite a few months after, I find myself just feeling like I've been hit by a bus, you know. Oh, really? And with a busy performing career, I, I just, it just must be really difficult. Yeah, and I, I, each time I forget, maybe it's like, you know, you forget, you know, having a child is so painful, you forget because you go and do it again. It's, <laughs> I forget how, what it's like and I take things on. Yeah. Like I remember when Ella was nine months and Brendan was going overseas, could have been Lebanon or something, and I thought it'd be a good idea to play the Berg Violin Concerto with the NSO at that time. Couldn't you have done one of the Mozart or something, Elaine? Yeah, well, I've learned now because I just did the Bach, so at least I've learned. And so I wonder what, what it was like preparing for, for this chat. What was it like for you? It was nice because I went through photos and I did, I remember at the beginning thinking, oh, this is quite a big thing. I'm going to take photos. Okay. Yeah, we'd, we'd do things like afternoon teas so that we didn't just do our own thing and not collect, you know, and I do make up stupid kind of obstacle courses out in the garden. So I've got photos of that. That was good crack. Um, I was quite happy just to stay at home. Yeah. I would have also been before COVID sort of very conscious that my children are 16 and 18 and they're about to go and not need me anymore. So one of the sweetest things for me was that we all hung around together. I got like an extra year and a half of them that I wouldn't have had. So it's about like extra time. Yeah. And the time aspect for me was just amazing. And I never got bored. I could start to do all the things or start to explore things that I'd thought, oh, maybe I wonder if I like this. What were those things? I got into growing veg. Mm -hmm. It was just, just great, you know, to go out to the garden and and pick something that you're going to have for dinner. And I've always read, but I mean, I would just sit down and read and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, You know, swimming now. I'm in the sea most days. Music is still a big part of my life, but it's not the be-all and end-all. So that balance has shifted for you? Yeah, because doing all these other things has helped me connect with other people. Yeah. All the things I do, I can go and do it by myself, but I can also do it with other people or talk about it with other people. So you feel it connects you? Yeah, I feel it does. And it's just nice to have other interests because I would have been very music tunnel vision. 
through college and practice and I remember somebody asking me what shortly after I came over to start this job what my hobbies were and I was like um I don't know <laughs> and and I don't think that's particularly healthy <laughs> yeah I mean I don't think we grow up with the time to have hobbies right yeah and maybe we don't have the shut off time I don't know if you feel the same but I I sort of feel like our work is never really done because there's always something to be practicing for and and you can practice it at 10 o'clock in the morning or or you know at the weekend we wouldn't well we don't have a weekend do we because no. if we're not working there's something to practice for next week and maybe that's part of why hobbies certainly for me haven't just been a thing did you play did you play your violin the first lockdown I did I practiced two hours a day and I loved that time because it was probably the first time in years that I wasn't going, I'm practicing for this or I'm practicing for the music we're playing next week or I'm running to catch up, you know, because we turn over music pretty quickly. Yeah, we do. Especially in the, or in the orchestras, Kleena, you know, you know, whichever orchestra you're with, you're, you're in, you do it and it's gone and then you're on to the next thing. Yeah, like a lot of your practice is that note bashing practice. Yes. Getting through it, putting in bowings, putting in, you know, a few safety fingerings if you need them. And it's very functional to get to the rehearsal to be prepared. Exactly. And, and probably, you know, when you're practicing your solo stuff, your chamber music, you get to think about phrasing and tension. But a lot of the practices can be the note bashing stuff. Yeah, the solo in the chamber is is... But even then, sometimes, you know, because I leave it a bit late and it's like, OK, I've really got to get this to a level. And it's, you know, it's rare that I have time to really sit with something and really enjoy it and look into it and research it and read about it and do all that stuff. So what did you practice? I practiced scales. <laughs> I practiced scales. I, I enjoyed sort of my sound. I started practicing the Brahms concerto. And then the second lockdown... So we went back to work in September, so it was a bit like, that felt exhausting going back. I felt like we had to be on our guard. It was just like being out in the world was quite tiring. And the way we were working, of course, two metre distance, winds were in perspex, so you couldn't hear properly, really. There was no audience. Yeah. You asked about a bittersweet moments or a moment. For me, I think the live streams are kind of bittersweet because... Yes, we're playing music. Yes, we're lucky enough in the symphony orchestra to be playing with other people. But it's not really orchestra playing as I as I know it. And I tried to be open about it. But for me, it wasn't very satisfying. I tried to think of the audience being out there because my mum would always be watching it. And that's another bittersweet moment because my mum is in Aberdeen. I mean, she, my mum is amazing and she has supported me throughout. And any time yeah. I'm doing anything... Like, she's like, oh, when's that? Oh, I'll come over. And she's there and she supports everything. It's, a, it's just brilliant. So I suppose with her not being able to come and hear it, she would have be able to put it on the TV on a Friday evening and she would see the orchestra and, and me. You know, I've, I've really missed audiences. Well, maybe by the, time, by the time folks are listening to this, you'll be playing to audiences. I hope so. I hope, yeah. Do you want to talk about the bitter, the sweet, the bittersweet? Yeah, so for me, the bitter parts of what we've all gone through is 
I've talked about my mum there. Yeah. That has been the one thing about this whole COVID experience that really has hurt because I just haven't seen her and she's on her own, really. And it's been hard to kind of see her try and cope with being on her own and trying to keep upbeat. And I didn't see her for a year. That's been really hard and it's still not back to normal, really. I'm struck by the fact that you got all this extra precious intimate time with your daughters, but you kind of lost it with your mum in a way. Yeah, and there was kind of no way, there was no way around it, you know. And so how did you cope with that? How did you manage that? Phone calls and setting up a WhatsApp group. But it was it was difficult as well, because then sometimes when you make a phone call or you go towards a thing that is, is hurting, you can't forget about it. You can't go and distract yourself. Mm-hmm. It's there. So I did, I found myself kind of having to sit with it and just try and be there for it more than was comfortable. And when you say being with it and sitting with it, can you say more about that? Um, I suppose the sitting with it is feeling that almost physical tightness or, or you know, and not doing something else to distract it, just kind of not to just gloss over something that was difficult or if instead of just go, oh, well, it'll get better, you know, just actually taking on board those feelings of helplessness and wanting to make it better when actually just you can't really. And how did it did it feel to do that? Was that something different for you just to allow it to be or? That's something I suppose I I do try to go towards sitting with it because I think like a lot of us we like to distract ourselves from those uncomfortable feelings or try and fix them or do something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to allow those things to pass through us because they don't last forever. I always have this little sort of fear that they will last forever, you know, or I'll get stuck in emotions or feelings. And I have done over the past few years, I do try and trust myself and trust the process, trust that things will move on. And that's an onward. I think for me, that's an ongoing thing that I can uh, every now and again just remember and, and touch on it. And I suppose there's that thing with absence. You know, you're both experiencing pain, but you're probably both carrying each other's pain a bit as well. You know, I'd say that you carried your mother's loneliness. Yeah, I, and I'd want to take it away from her, which I can't really do. No, and I think that's part of what is really difficult about it all as well, about separation. Yeah. And the sweet? The sweet moment. Actually, I've just been saying I'm not that keen on live streams, but actually the sweet, one of the sweetest moments was a live stream. Okay, so for me, the Beethoven string quartets are like up there okay oh I just they're very special to me I first got to know them and to kind of live with them when I was probably around 19 I was at college in Guildhall in London and I spent I think it was about five days between Christmas and New Year and I went to my teacher's house which was a converted watermill in Wimbledon. David Kano. David Kano, yeah. Anyway, this was a chamber music five days of reading through Beethoven's late string quartets. And that was like mind-blowing. So for Beethoven's 250th anniversary last year, the concert hall had a little program of the late quartets and we played Opus 131. And we played it on the main stage in the concert hall. 
that for me was like, this is just amazing. I'm so lucky. And at one point, just before the slow movement, I just kind of had this, oh my gosh, I'm on the stage of the National Concert Hall playing Opus 131. This is like, this is it. I can die happy. <laughs> really, Elaine? Yeah, I did. It was, it was kind of just like, oh my gosh. I don't often have flashes of this is where I meant to be. You know, I'm usually thinking I should be somewhere else. But this was a real sort of, this is it. Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> you know, the other sweet parts of the experience we've all been through, I suppose, would be what I've talked about, being at home with family. This simple life is, I think, where I'm going. Yeah. I wonder, has the last 18 months really clarified that for you? Because you wouldn't have had such an experience without this firebreak or whatever. Yeah. What did clarify in my head was that, that actually music doesn't need to be such a big thing. Yeah. I think I let go of something of having music as my identity mm -hmm. and that I'm actually okay without music. Yeah. As in... I, me as a as a being and me in the world. And what does it mean to you to know that? Actually, it feels really good because I think it's something it's something that I've kind of not struggled with, but I've wondered over the years. Oh my God, what if something happened to me that I couldn't play, or you know, I wasn't co-leader of the National Symphony Orchestra? Who would I be? Oh my God, I wouldn't mm. be. You know, would people like me? Would they talk to me? You know, okay, I'm going way down the I'm going way down the road here, but you know, that would be part of sort of somewhere I'd go sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think having this, as you said, fire break and everything fell away, made me go, I'm okay without it. It means that I I feel a lightness. It clarifies to me that letting go is good. Things that I would have read in, in Buddhist books. And I think having that time allowed some of those things to drop down into being able to feel them. And I think I think you have to give yourself the time for that to happen and space. And when we're always on the go, that's really difficult. And we've been on the go since we were children, which is, is different to a lot of people, I think. Yeah, like we've been on the go since we were like five. Yeah. And are building that identity piece. Yeah, I was I was Elaine. Yeah, she's the tall girl who plays violin. Yeah. But that becomes who you are and how you perceive yourself. Am I still going to be special and unique when I don't play the violin or if I don't play the violin or, you know? And, well, I am. We all are. Of course we are. But we rarely get to test that. Yeah. And to get the evidence that, yes, you will be okay, you will be loved, you'll be held. Yeah. I mean, like, my family don't really care I play music. <laughs> my, my kids, they've no interest yeah. in it. There's things I've started doing. I have a friend who's very into all those as well. And she said to me once, oh, yeah, sometimes I forget you play music. And that was like, oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah. But um, tell me about your bittersweet memory I suppose because you know we've touched on it the the live streams for me being bittersweet if I think about it now there's frustration there because it's like you know you're just not getting to what you want to do and it's like well would it just be better if it didn't happen yeah like I remember the first the first time that I did a live stream and there was, it was definitely bittersweet, Elaine. 
because there was a huge elation at making music with other people. And then also just being in in the concert hall, this place that had been home for years and for a lot of people, decades. And so that was intensely sweet. But then we couldn't quite connect with each other or with an audience. Yeah. And also the way we were working. I don't know if you you find this as well, because even you know how we're normally in pre-COVID and, and, you know, you've gone up and you've had a cup of coffee with someone or you've yeah. stood in the corridor with someone and chatted and there's been that connection as well, which which is part of it because music is all about connection. And unless you're doing a solo piece, it's about playing with others. But we didn't weren't able to do that. So when rehearsals finished we were sitting on our stations or I found if I was leading, I was in the, I was in a room by myself. So yeah, it was, it was, yes, we were playing music together and yes, I was out of the house, (laughs) but it just, was it enough? I, I wasn't ever sure. And I didn't really listen to live streams either. I had no interest in going on to hear another orchestra play. That was bittersweet. Yeah. Have you been to a concert, Elaine? I have. I went to Irish Chamber Orchestra. How did that feel? Oh, I had lots of stuff going on in my head. <laughs> I mean, it was great because they played beautifully and they played Metamorphosa, which is, oh, I love that piece. But there was a bit of, I don't know if you find it difficult going to concerts. I'm always a bit like, oh, I want to be in there. I want to be really in the sound. And immaturity comes through here. But it was, you know, I was jealous. I was like, well, I want to be doing that. <laughs> Do you think that having this conversation, what what has this meant? Has it brought anything up for you or it's connected me with good memories. It really has. And like I said, I know there's been so much suffering and I, and I know a lot of people haven't been lucky with either losing people or or all sorts financially, you know, difficulties in relationships, all that. Yeah. I do feel like I've got to know myself a bit through this as well. Yeah. Maybe in time as well, we'll individually we'll be able to see how it's affected us. Because after this, things might go back to normal. I don't think we do. But thank you for allowing me to think about the past and almost like put it in a, not a box, but just, I suppose, tidy up a few ends. And you'll always have it to listen back to. Yeah. I loved creating this time capsule with Elaine. There was a lot about what she said when it came to identity that I obviously connected with. And I have so much admiration for how she is able to, rather than avoid that ache and that pain, which is loss, which is loneliness, which is maybe fear, She has learned to sit with it, to accept it, and it's something I really admire. Thanks so much to Elaine for sharing these thoughts and memories and experiences with us. If you'd like to share your own, you're more than welcome to on the Bittersweet Symphony socials. Instagram is ryan.cleana, Twitter is Violin. And there's a Bittersweet Symphony Facebook page. Thank you so much for listening and for all your support. And until next time.